What is going on, people? Welcome back to another episode of the Mike Roach Podcast, where sports and truth collide. I don't know why I said that. I typically don't, but it's in the intro, and I want to say it this time. What up, folks? What is going on? We got to talk a little bit about this Raptors and Cleveland collide at Scotiabank Arena. And it's a big subject matter because... Obviously, Emmanuel Quickly and R.J. Barrett come over from the New York Knicks in exchange for O.G. Ananobi, and it is the first time that we saw them get to put on a Raptors uniform and kind of test the waters a little bit and see what it would be like. Now, I want to discuss a little bit about uh, Emmanuel Quickly and what he brings to the game, R.J. Barrett, what he brings to the team, and just the overall effect that it has with the guys around them. And once again, Happy New Year. Hope everybody is blessed and safe and getting off to a great start in this new year. And folks, it seemed like the Raptors did as well. And I might touch on the New York Knicks just a little bit, just a little bit, with OG Ananobi and his debut over there at the Garden. Okay, so... So, folks, I don't want this to be a long podcast because this is kind of just a, a reaction podcast of some of the things that happened against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, first and foremost, first and foremost, you know I got to drop a bomb, baby, because the Raptors got a huge W going up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And my God, I mean, my God, Donovan Mitchell, is an absolute animal. I mean, he is super nice. And the Cleveland Cavaliers have their own issues because that man is about to be a free agent. You damn well know he ain't going to resign. So they're going to have to look to trade that man and trade him soon. They have a month or maybe about a month and a week. You got five weeks, okay? They're going to have to do something with Donovan Mitchell. But damn, that dude can play. He had 26 points. He was only 8 of 21 from the field, but some of the shots this guy was making, he was 4 of 9 from downtown, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, 4 steals, but some of the shots that this guy makes are just flat-out scary. I'm talking about crossing over 3 or 4 times, step back, splash, right in your face. Ain't nothing you can do about it. My man quickly and R.J. Barrett, I mean, boy. I mean, I know they're not OG Ananobi on defense, but damn, it was a tough task. But I thought at least R.J. Barrett did a pretty damn good job defensively in that first half. I'll get to it. Now I'm going to get to some of these notes, and then I'll branch off and give you some of my thoughts about different things going through these notes. Now, the Raptors had a one-point lead with 8.44 to go in the first quarter. It was 10-9, quickly hits the first three of the game. And what I really like about Quickly, not just him, but R.J. Barrett as well. So now you have Pascal Siakam who can handle the ball, Scotty Barnes who can handle the ball. But when O.G. was here, he wasn't much of a ball handler. So now Emmanuel Quickly can really handle the ball, go downhill alongside R.J. Barrett as well. So now you got four guys who are in your starting unit that can go down the hill hard on you. So they're putting a lot of pressure on that defense 
off the dribble, which is a fabulous thing because now that defense has to collapse and help on a guy like Quickly or Barrett, and then you're kicking out for three-point shots, right, which is what you want. Not necessarily a ton of three-point shots, but at least if you're going to get them, you want them to be open. You want them to be clean looks. That way, your percentage can shoot up a little bit if these guys are going to be making shots. And I'm not sure a lot of people realize this as well, but if you listen to the last podcast that I did and why people are so high on Emmanuel Quickly, Quickly was second behind Malcolm Brogdon last year for the Sixth Man of the Year award. So it's not like people don't know that Emmanuel Quickly can flat out ball. Let's drop a bomb for him because he had a nice debut as well. I'll give one more. You know what? I'll give one to RJ Barrett as well because he had a he had a nice little debut as well. Can't even front about that. And overall 124-121, the Raptors do win this thing, but Barrett did as I mentioned pretty well defensively to me to start the game, especially in the first half. Not necessarily from a weak side help perspective or even in a in a help rotation perspective, but just his on-ball defense I thought was quite good uh, for the Raptors in that first half. And the Raptors, they shot six of nine from three-point range, and that was with 108 remaining in that first quarter. So it does help that some of these guys we're out here making shots, but typically what have we talked about so much? What have we talked about so much in these first maybe 20, 25 games of the season? One of the big stories was that the Raptors had a really difficult time getting off to a good start in that first quarter. But I think now that you have an quickly and a Barrett, Gives you a little bit more depth there, right? To go along with a Pirtle and a Barnes and a Siakam. I think that's going to work beautifully in that lineup. It will take some time to develop some chemistry. Uh, You're always a little hype. The two guys that come in along with the other guys that are around them on the team in the first game. It's always hype that first game. And things seem to kind of settle down just a little bit. But the main thing is that these guys got to get into practice. They got to watch a lot of film. They got to do a lot of even just talking sessions, man, with not just the coaches and the guys on the court, but with some of those other OGs like Temple and Thaddeus Young because those are the are the real glue guys here. And they're going to give you some really, really good knowledge to be able to, that'll be able to stick with these guys as they go forward, especially when you're coming up with a tough western road trip that starts off in memphis so there's a lot for them to do but you're going to need their production right away you're going to need their production right away it's obviously it's obvious that masai ujiri and bobby webster um, are not trying to tank and i don't blame them for that nobody wants to see that in this city and and folks i have to mention this to you some people want masai ujiri to just tank this ship for draft picks. What the hell do you think that is going to do? First of all, you're never guaranteed that you're going to get a number one or number two pick. Number two, you definitely got a hit on those picks. A number three, Masai Ujiri is not an owner of this team. 
the only way he's going to be able to do some of the things in regards to tanking is if he gets that green light. If he doesn't get that green light, because some people clearly don't understand that no matter how, how, how high you are, if you're the president, you still have other people that you have to answer to. You still do. And a lot of people don't understand that. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole dish, different topic uh, for another day. Let me get back to this game. So 41-32 after the first quarter. Raptors 7 of 10 from three-point range. Quickly seven points uh, at the end of one. Siakam 13, Barnes 8. And they had team 10 assists in that first quarter, which is always a good sign. Now, IQ, Emmanuel quickly. I heard Matt Devlin say this. I don't know. I think it was in the second quarter of this game when he mentioned that Emmanuel quickly has the highest plus minus in Knicks history. Huh? Did I just, did I hear that correctly over guys like Charlie Ward, Patrick Ewing? I'm pretty sure I heard that correctly. I'm going to have to go back and do a little research on that one, but that's a crazy stat if it's true. Uh, Barrett was coming alive offensively in that second quarter. 8.34 remaining. He had eight points and three rebounds in this one. Now, Emmanuel, quickly. Remember when I tell you guys get hype coming into that first game? Well, damn it, he had four fouls in the first half. You heard me correctly. Four fouls in that first half. Coach Ryakovich took a gamble. It did not work, but at the end of the day, it was good enough to, you kind of had to put him on the bench a little bit because you didn't want it to go too far to the point where, you know, he's only playing in spurts of two minutes, but he did handle himself well, even though he went into foul trouble. But the Raptors ended up going on a 10-0 run. 6.45 left in that second queue is when Emmanuel quickly uh, picked up that, sorry, no, is with 5.41 left, he picked up that fourth foul. And the one concern was that it was just not a good finish to the first half. That momentum was crumbling. Cleveland was picking it up big time. And I mentioned to you about Donovan Mitchell, who absolutely was going off. But Karis LeVert, man, Karis LeVert played 29 minutes in this game. He was 12 of 20 from the field, 2 of 7 from downtown, 5 of 5 from the free throw line. He had 31 points, four rebounds, and four assists. Like, Karis LeVert is one of the, the most streaky players you will find in the NBA. One night he has 30, the next night he has four. And that's on a consistent basis, by the way. Now, the Raptors, their three-point shooting did keep them in the game, and Pascal Siakam was a guy who did really well from downtown. He was five of eight from three-point range in 40 minutes, by the way, 40 minutes. Typically, you don't see Darko Ryakovich play a guy 40 minutes, 13 of 20 from the field, 36 points in this one, five rebounds, two assists, and a steal. He stuffed that stat sheet. And I think Pascal Siakam, when you have these other guys in Barrett and quickly, they're just going to open up the floor for Pascal Siakam even more 
to isolate, back down, shoot that turnaround jump shot, be able to go one-on-one off the dribble, get to the basket. That's his bread and butter. And with these guys on the floor, it is not going to be as easy to double-team Pascal Siakam anymore, which means he's going to be able to do more damage from you. That's a great thing because that was part of the problem. It's not all the way solved, but it's it's better now with quickly and Barrett in that lineup, even though it's just being, I mean, it's been one game, a very small sample size, but you can see how this is going to play out. It's going to have a better effect on the game for Pascal Siakam compared to when OG Ananobi was here. You turned him into two very good starting pieces for you. 14 fast break fast break points for the Raptors. And Siakam, I mean, is he a guy? Is he a guy that you are 100% sold on trading if you know that you can re-sign him? Is he a guy you want to trade if you know you can re-sign him and how much better he would play if you have better pieces surrounding him? That's what I'm wondering here. It does make you think, and there are a lot of people in this city who want to trade Pascal Siakam. I would say, okay, yeah, maybe. Let's just wait a little bit and see what happens with Quickly and Barrett. So now, going to halftime, we come out. Levert, as I mentioned, doing absolute damage off the bench. With 4.34 remaining in the third quarter, this dude already had 20 points. And he wasn't slowing down. And one guy I got to mention, let me go through some numbers here quickly from the Raptors side because I want to talk about Dennis Schroeder a little bit. So I told you about Siakam, 36 points in this one in 40 minutes. Scotty Baum, I'm going to drop a bomb for him. Scotty Barnes, 7 to 17 from the field. One of five from three-point range. Five of seven from the free-throw line. But he has six rebounds, five assists, a steal, a block. I mean, Scotty Barnes is just solid as a rock right now. Every game he steps on the floor, you know he's going to bring the intensity. And I just love that he does so many different things on the floor. And you know what I really like about Scotty Barnes? As the game goes on, A lot of the time, he just seems to get more and more intense, right? Like the game when they played against the Detroit Pistons. He only had seven points going into that fourth quarter, and then he ends up with 22. He loves the fourth quarter. He comes to play at the end of games, and I absolutely love that. He had some monster rebounds in this game, a block shot, Three block shots from Jakob Pertl. He had a fantastic game as well, I thought. Three block shots. He was a plus three on the night. He had 14 points. He had 37 minutes in this game, five of eight from the field, four of seven from the free throw line to go with 11 rebounds and four assists. And I thought Jakob Pertl did a pretty good job. Cleveland at times in this game were throwing a double team at him a couple different times. Not sure why the hell he did that, but he did a great job. Uh, passing out of those double teams, right? So 
that is an aspect of his game that you really like to see because at least you see when that double team comes, you don't really need to throw one at him. He's not like some crazy offensive juggernaut that's going to absolutely thrash you into the ground going up against you one-on-one. But at least he's making the right plays out of that double team. Um, RJ Barrett, 19 points, 6 of 8 from the free throw line, 1 of 2 from downtown. I like that he didn't throw up and force up a whole bunch of three-point shots. In 29 minutes, 6 of 12 from the field. And I mentioned to you, uh, Emmanuel quickly already had 14 points in this one. Couple threes, that nice little floater that he has. He's really shifty, really shifty. He's probably going to be very, very tough to stay in front of a guy like Emmanuel quickly. And I like that with him coming over. I mentioned this on the last podcast you're really going to see what he's capable of now. Because you had a guy like Jalen Brunson in front of him, you weren't really going to see what he is capable of doing. We know he can score the ball, but it's almost like he's on a minutes restriction because he has guys in front of him where he's not going to have that issue here. And the point that I wanted to bring up was, let me take a sip of this wine real quick. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Dennis Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder. I love Dennis Schroeder in this backup role. When you have him to bring off your bench, don't things just feel a lot more safe? Like when I see Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench for us, it puts me in a happy place because quickly is coming out. Schroeder's coming in. And now you don't feel that drop-off that's there. Everything just feels solid. You have a guard in the game at all time that you know you can trust. And I do think that is a big deal. Thaddeus Young got two minutes in this game. Not even sure why. Uh, You might as well just have given them to Boucher. He played 11 minutes in this one. No field goal attempts in this one, which is rare for Chris Boucher. And I thought in the 11 minutes that he played, he played well. I thought he did. He was running the floor, playing defense. Did what you need him to do in those 11 minutes. Gary Trent Jr., 1 of 5 from 3-point range, which is kind of rare from him given the fact that he did get some pretty good looks. 3 of 10 from the field in 26 minutes. He had 6 rebounds, which is good. Circle that number. 2 assists, a steal. And he had nine points in this one. McDaniels didn't play. Temple didn't play. And I mentioned that Thaddeus Young played two minutes in this one, even before Otto Porter, which is interesting. He did not play in this one as well. But overall, I thought the Raptors did a pretty decent job in that first half, except for that little collapse at the end. Now, I mentioned Dennis Schroeder did a great job getting to the rim too, especially, which was another guy I mentioned to you earlier about these guys putting pressure going downhill on the opposing team. Dennis Schroeder's another guy who adds to that. Raptors have a nine-point lead with 218 remaining in that third quarter, 93-84, and they end the third with a seven-point lead, 98-91, going into the fourth quarter. Now, my first note, my first note here of the fourth quarter 
is something that really pisses me off. Okay? <laughs> Scotty Barnes complains and whines too damn much. Too damn much. And it is just annoying. It's annoying, man. Come on now, dog. Come on, man. It's true. What do you want me to say? Everybody who watches the game, who has eyes, can see that Scotty Barnes is just complaining a little bit too damn much. It's annoying as hell. Sometimes he's annoying to the point where I'm just I just start yelling at the TV or if I'm at the game, well I can't start yelling at him at the game. I just start looking around and everybody just says the same damn thing. Get your ass back on defense. Get back on defense and stop complaining. They're not going to change the call. They ain't going to change the call. Like, I, I'm at the point, I'm just watching him like... You stay here! You stay here with Stephanie! You take me to him! Take me to the son of a bitch! Take me to him! Come on! Go! 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 That's how much it annoys me. It's annoying. Stop complaining to the damn officials on every call. They're not going to change anything. <sighs> anyway. Barrett had 16 points with 11.07 left in the fourth quarter. Cavs were five from seven from three in the fourth quarter, which is a big reason why they got back into this game. And R.J. Barrett, man, love the guy. Happy to see what he's going to do in a Raptors uniform. But damn it, you got to work on that right hand. You got to work on that right hand. And I think you will. And you have improved with that right hand a little bit, R.J. Barrett. But you got to step it up working on that right hand. You got to be in that gym, pound that rock, getting that right hand flowing with the dribbling, finishing at the basket, making some right hand passes, bounce passes, doing whatever you got to do. But you got to do a little bit more with that right hand. That's what I want to see. I know it'll come over time. And I'm sure that our Raptors staff is going to get on him about that to improve that. And I'm sure he's going to want to as well because it's going to bring his game to a whole different level. Now, a guy on a whole different level in regards to defense, in regards to defense, is OG Ananobi. He made his debut at the Garden. And it was a good debut for him. I'm going to read you some numbers as soon as I pull them up here in a second but I was watching the game a little bit and what you saw from OG Ananobi is pretty much exactly typical OG Ananobi stuff to be completely honest with you let me give you the numbers here 17 points 7 of 12 from the field he's not going to always shoot that well from the field but typically he has some good shooting nights 3 of 6 from downtown 6 rebounds 1 assist two steals he was a Knicks high plus 19 in the game it was a game high plus 19 overall for both teams anyway looked nice was making some corner threes was slashing cutting getting to the basket for some good finishes and you know it seems like he's going to fit well for the city of New York the only reason I'm a little bit worried for OG is because he's playing in the garden now 
And they're still on a little bit of a high because he has now moved his way into the garden. But what I'm wondering is if the inconsistency comes with his scoring, is his defense going to be just good enough for people in New York? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. And some people are already ticked off that the Knicks gave up not just R.J. Barrett, but Emmanuel quickly as well. Some people are still not impressed. They want that superstar. And yes, OG Ananobi is a fine piece, a fine piece with the New York Knicks sitting at 18 and 15, a fine piece to add to your basketball team. But is it enough? Is it enough where it's really going to move that needle and get you to the next level? Stephen A. Smith on first take today had his views on this trade with Ananobi going to the New York Knicks. Here it is. All right, time for a quick take. Stephen A., your Knicks making money moves. Uh, New York acquired 3 and D specialist OG Ananobi and two other players from the Raptors in exchange for R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick. S.A., talk to me. Like I'm not trade? moved. I'm not oh, moved. What? I'm not moved. Let me say this. Let me say this, Shay Shay. The Knicks are better. They're certainly better defensively. And Anobi doesn't require the ball the way R.J. Barrett does. He's a better three-point shooter and catches shoot threes. Not only that, he's shooting like 44% from threes from the corner. So he doesn't need the ball as much, which frees the ball up for Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. I'm not sure about Julius Randle come playoff time. And, and you know, when he's, at, when, he, when he's that formidable option. I needed a third guy. You've improved defensively. I don't have any problem with Barrett being gone. I get it. I don't think he worked in that particular situation, even though I'm hopeful for his future in the NBA. Emmanuel, quickly, I did not want to lose. Right. I did not want to lose this kid. Yeah. Okay, he is going to, he is special. Yeah. And he's the runner for sixth man of the year last season. The brother can ball. Yeah. And not having him there, to me, puts a lot more on Jalen Brunson. It gives Thibodeau an excuse to go with like seven and just run you into the ground and have yeah. you fatigued come yeah. playoff time. I am, I, and it doesn't improve their chances as far as I'm concerned to beat Boston or Milwaukee because of their inability to score with those guys. Right. Again, it doesn't make them worse. It makes them better defensively without question. Right. But it's not what I think was needed most. I don't want to hear about DeJounte Murray. All right, go out and get Donovan Mitchell. You got eight first-round picks available to you. <laughs> Use a couple, damn it. Get him. Get somebody of that ilk, and I'll be far more excited than I am about this. But it doesn't make them worse, and I know that much. It doesn't put him in front of Boston, Milwaukee, there you go. Philly. Either. There you go. Exactly, <laughs> and that's my point. And you see, I completely understand what he's saying here because that's the point, right? Like, if you're going to make a trade, you want to know that you're going to be able to compete with the likes of the Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics, and the Milwaukee Bucks. I still don't see the Knicks as being better than any three of those teams at this point. I think they'll be able to compete, though. I think they'll be able to compete, and they're going to be good. But how much more really does it move that needle if you're the New York Knicks? That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I do think it was a good trade for both teams. But I do think it hurts the New York Knicks that they gave up Emmanuel quickly. I love it for the Raptors, though. 
I love it for the Raptors. I got to say that. Folks, make sure you follow, like, subscribe, share, rate, everything. The Mike Roach Podcast. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple. I'm on Google Podcasts. Make sure you get at me too in the DMs. I keep telling you all this in the comments. Happy to see everybody in the comments, especially with that last post I made about RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly. Happy to see it there. You got any questions that you want me to ask, you know where you can find me. So folks, I will be back again soon. I told you earlier, the Raptors are now hitting the road for six straight games in the West Coast. And trust me, If we're going to learn anything about how this is going to work, trust me. This six-game road trip is going to be a very tough test, especially when guys haven't had the opportunity to gel and mesh together yet. But it will be fascinating to see how they come out and play, especially with these new pieces. They're getting thrown right into the fire right now. And honestly, this could be kind of a good thing it could be kind of a good thing so folks this is the mike roach podcast happy to be on the microphone once again where sports and truth collide i'm out you've been listening to the mike roach podcast where storytelling sports and keeping it real are the only ways to live by we hope you've gotten some valuable and practical information from the show link up with us on instagram at microach 7 where you can view images of the content on this program we're on facebook apple podcast spotify and wherever you get your podcast have a wonderful day and thank you for listening until next week